0: That's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Hello. Welcome to the Katie Helper Show. Uh, I'm Katie Helper, and we have a great show for you today. I'm joined by, this is not Leslie Lee, actually. This is Sam Alcoff. Hi, Sam. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Katie, and welcome to all of our listeners and viewers from around the world.
0: (laughs) This is the Katie Helper Show. I'm Katie Helper, joined by Sam Alcoff from his home in... Where in New Jersey is Juan Gonzalez from?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just from here.
0: You're just from here, around town, yeah. Um, Yeah. By the way, I was supposed to go on Rockfin. Oh, I think I'm doing it now. All right. So hi, everyone on Rockfin. Hi, everyone on YouTube. And hi, everyone around the world tuning in. And um, thanks a lot for coming. Of course, you can subscribe to the Katie Helper Show. Um, We're almost at 50K, which is great. Um, of course, you can become Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we have a good show for you tonight. So first, we're going to be talking to Kevin Pina about Haiti, uh, which is not getting as much attention as it was before. Uh, that tends to happen to things in the news, though. Uh, and then we're also going to be joined by Steve Donziger. Uh, and he's been on the show before, and he's an update uh, for us about what he's going to do now that he's been found guilty of six counts of contempt. So let's just let's just do it. Let's just get into it. We're going to start with our interview, um, because this guy is a real gem. Really excited to be um, joined by him. He's like a real uh, wealth of information. Kevin Pina is an American journalist, filmmaker, and educator who serves as a country expert on Haiti, for the Varieties of Democracy Project, which is sponsored by the University of Notre Dame, Center for Research Computing, the University of Gothenburg Department of Political Science and the Helen Kellogg Institute for International Studies. He's also from the Haiti Information Project uh, and he is a filmmaker and his films are great. And he lived in the neighborhood where the president in Haiti was assassinated when he was a journalist and he can be followed on Twitter at across mediums. Without further ado, Kevin,
2: welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. Hi, Of Zen. course. Hey.
0: Thanks for coming on.
2: And folks, if they want to kind of follow along and do a little bit of research, uh, be sure to check out Haiti Information Project on Twitter. It's Haiti Info Proj, H A I T I I N F O P R O J. Search the timeline. We've been doing it a decade. And I work with uh, citizen journalists in Haiti uh, who I send cameras to and buy phone time. And they're out there in their neighborhoods and in the streets uh, chronicling. Reality And so my hat's off to them. I got to give a shout out to all those folks in Haiti.
0: Actually, so before we get into what's happening in Haiti and the history, how did you get involved in Haiti?
2: Oh, uh, I, I as a documentary filmmaker, um, I, I had spent time in El Salvador and I met uh, Archbishop Romero before he was assassinated and killed. Uh, I produced a documentary called In the Name of Democracy about U.S. foreign policy there. Uh, And uh, I was sort of intrigued by this liberation theology priest who was running for the presidency in Haiti, Jean-Bertrand Aristide. And so I got invited to cover his campaign in 1990, and uh, then I spent uh, six months chronicling his first six months in office. Then there was a coup, and I had to go back and shoot during a very difficult uh, moment in Haiti's history, very scary, frightening time. A Military dictatorship had taken over, drug dealers had taken over, it was, uh, my friends were in hiding, imprisoned, tortured, killed, uh, and I went back and spent three weeks uh, chronicling that horror show, and then uh, finally um, finished that film when Aristide returned in 94.
0: Wow. So before we get back into Haiti, what was, how well did you know uh, Romero?
2: Uh, we were, we were shooting a film. So, I mean, uh, well enough to hang out in the rectory and, you know, talk, talk to him and shoot footage with him and, you know, as a filmmaker, uh, it was, was even, it was even dicey, dicey back then. I mean, it was very, very scary, uh, in El Salvador during the seventies, you know, <laughs> it was a hellacious, very hellacious time, uh, the time late seventies, early eighties. Um, that was when I produced that film. Um, yeah, I got to tell you, I still have PTSD from all of, all of my documentary films. It seems like I I, I really pick them, you know, I'm two coups in Haiti and uh, on top of that experience in El Salvador. And then I was a producer of a film called Amazonia Voices from the Rainforest. Chico Mendez was murdered while we were producing that film. Uh, just, I think I've spent a lot of time unpacking uh, human cruelty and... Uh, injustice, uh, during my stint as a documentary filmmaker the past, what, three and a half decades now.
0: Wow. And Are you ever tempted to, to throw in the towel?
2: Uh, no, I'm still, I'm really lucky. I, I, I still love life and I love people and I still love humanity, even knowing just how dark and awful creatures we, we, we the, the capacity for cruelty is just, uh, unfathomable. And I, I think I still try to wrap my head around it, but no, I still have a real uh, joie de vivre, I guess you'd say, you know, I still have a real, I love life and I love people. And I've got younger kids. I was telling Sam, you know, they, they help keep me, you know, on the straight and narrow and engaged, you know, kind of hard to be bored when you got a 17 year old, a 12 year old and a 10 year old when you're 63, you know, it's like,
0: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I imagine. Yeah. Wow. That's that'll keep you on your toes.
2: No. And my wife is uh, a Haitian. You know, we met in Haiti. Well, I lived there for a number of years. Uh, had to, of course, learn Creole, although I'm, I'm I'm a little rusty at it these days. I also produce a, a weekly show, Saturdays to Haiti, a radio show, bilingual, only bilingual show, I think, that's uh, out there now called Decantation. Uh, De, uh, how do you say it? De, Decantation. De, De I don't know how you say it in English. Decantation. Yeah, it's like when you take wine, you know, and you let yeah, it yeah. breathe and you separate the muck right from the bottom of the bottle, you know, and you kind of see Decan-tation.
0: What's going on. It's
2: not... Decanting. It, yeah. Decan- yeah. yeah. So that show uh, keeps me busy, too. And, of course, uh, I'm a senior producer of a show called Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio, 94.1 FM, out of our uh, flagship station, the Pacifica flagship station, uh, KPFA in Berkeley, California. And we're syndicated on 61 uh, programs across the U.S. and Canada. So it keeps me busy. And you know live radio, man. You got... I am taking over the chair next week, actually, uh, from uh, Dennis Bernstein. So it's like I tell oh, my wow. students, well, I can't go on and have dead air, you know.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we can. I'll talk to you later about getting the Katie Halper show back up on WBAI.
2: Oh, that'd be great. No, yeah. that'd be that'd be that'd be a feather in my cap if I could make that happen.
0: Yeah, great. We'll talk after this. But um, tell us what what your insights are into what's happening in Haiti. What do you think is, the media has been missing? What are they getting wrong? Um, what are the things that Americans aren't even privy to in this discussion
2: Th- that country is run by our government pretty much um, I mean if you if you combine um, K Street lobbying of Congress in order to get the blessing and approval of congressional committees to get the blessing of a, approval of a specific administration or to get the blessing and approval of the u.s embassy uh, not much goes on in that country without the approval of the United States government remember it's also one of the largest embassies in the Caribbean i mean it's huge it's i mean for 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 where where Haiti's at it's amazing that it's so large it's it's outsized i call it outsized for sure but you know that's that's something people don't don't realize is that um, you know a lot of what you're seeing going on in Haiti is a direct result of US foreign policy and probably the last biggest beat and impact was the 2004 coup, uh, George W. Bush, you know, which overthrew not just a president, but more than 7,500 elected officials of the Familia VALAS party at the municipal and national levels. Uh, I don't think people realize the depth of what that coup did. And of course, the destruction of thousands of lives And what do we have to show for it? The United Nations and the United States and France and Canada said they were going to take direct responsibility for rebuilding Haiti's institutions. The police, the judiciary, the political class, they were going to end corruption. Uh, If you go to at HaitiInfoProj on Twitter right now, you'll see this footage of of a rain that happened in front of the National Palace in downtown Port-au-Prince. And you can see that the flooding of the lack of proper sewage system sends jets of raw sewage shooting into flooded streets, just filled with garbage. That's what is the legacy. Well, I mean, you can add cholera, you can add the massacre of 2005 in Cite Soleil, you can uh, you can add killing protesters, cholera protesters in the streets who were then correct in accusing the United Nations of being responsible, more than 10,000 dead. I mean, and then 200,000 people killed in 2010, billions raised, and nothing to show for it, because everybody, including some of our little darlings on the left, you know, raised money ostensibly to help Haiti. and a lot of money went missing and a lot of money did not help the haitian people you know that that's that's one of the biggest scandals is the charity scams that were so immense and at the center of it of course was the clinton foundation i have to be honest you know i'm not a i am not have no axe to grind i'll tell you the truth i'm sick of both political parties i ain't got, i ain't got a dog in that fight anymore i'm i'm critical of what i consider corruption in washington and unfortunately haiti is part of that corruption Uh, And and, and so when we talk about K Street lobbying, even as recently as with Jovenel Moise before he was assassinated, and the PHTK trying to curry favor with Congress and with the Biden administration, it's scandalous. And then when you put foreign political advisors who are running campaigns in Haiti with that in tandem, with those tens of millions of dollars spent on K Street, what would you expect i mean come on this is not haitian this is this is something else right haitians are not really running their own country i mean and that's that's my assessment if i were to really look at it haiti lost its sovereignty its sovereignty with that coup so i want to go back to the
1: 2004 coup but uh, can we start with uh, real quick with the the news of this last week the head of uh, the security detail for jovenal moish Uh, was arrested as well as uh, the Supreme Court Justice, Wendell Koch-Dalot. Can you talk about uh, those arrests uh, and what else you're hearing from
2: the streets in Haiti? I I don't believe that they've arrested her yet. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. They put a wanted poster out for her.
2: Uh, Wendell Koch, she was a Supreme Court, I mean, how do you go from a Supreme Court judge burying your husband and son just this last month who died of COVID to now suddenly having an arrest warrant issued for being involved in the assassination of Haiti's president. Uh, a lot of folks see it as absurd. Um, it's pinned the tail on the assassin. There's so many things so wrong, beginning with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Department of Homeland Security, leading the investigation. How absurd. I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, uh, it, it's indicative and symbolic of what I was describing before. right? It's, and, and by the way, the CIA is in there as well. Um, You cannot throw a stone in any direction of that investigation and not hit a CI from three major agencies, intelligence agencies of the U.S. Um, And come on, 26 Colombians living a month in Petronville? I mean, with, with within earshot of, of 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 the police station. Come on, guys, this is just absurd. And you put on top of that that the president has a safe room. It's a panic room, basically his 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 office. You know, three inch metal door. Uh, come on, this is just this. And by the way, this does not resemble in any way whatsoever a contemporary assassination of a modern head of state. Does it? This looks like a gangland hit. This was a Come on, a body with riddled with 12 bullets and broken bones, by the way? So there's just a lot of things not adding up. And it really does seem like a conspiracy in search of a culprit, uh, quite frankly. Um, there's just so many un- unanswered questions. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, what, what I mentioned there. But you guys can see where this raises a lot of suspicion, particularly <laughs> when... Suddenly, everybody's waiting for the United States to declare the narrative, right? And the and the Haitian police is not working in tandem. They're throwing up ideas of victims. We've not heard any official report in the investigation from the FBI or DHS yet. We're hearing lots of speculation from people. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the point is, how can you get to a president and massacre him, basically, uh, so easily. There's only one road in, one road out. Narrow road. Can't pass with two cars sometimes. Bottom of it's police station. Top of it is a police station. Since the president moved into that street. Uh, not easy access at all. And somebody had to wave those five cars through. Somebody had to wave them through. It's, it's, it's quite, quite apparent to me, uh, knowing the neighborhood very well. And the, the road uh, to his residence is also very narrow and inaccessible. You just don't... 26 Colombians living in Petronville for a month? Come on, guys. They knew. Somebody knew these guys. And by the way, how do they get into the country? You, are you gonna tell me that? Oh, come on. Come on. This is this is ridiculous, guys. This is ridiculous. You can tell me the CIA didn't know those guys were there. Bullshit. Excuse me, nonsense. I don't know if I can.
0: Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: No, it's nonsensical. And uh, the point is again what has resulted in. They're all pushes, by the way. I want to tell you everybody in the PHDK ruling party. They were all part of the two thousand four coup.
1: Well, can we talk about one pushes in uh, uh, specifically? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, put one pushes in, in particular? Yeah, it like a game uh, a particular. Yeah, <laughs> part but
2: Ariel uh, uh, Henri. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's 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 a guy who who is no stranger to U.S. intelligence agencies in the United States. He worked very closely with them during the 2004 coup. He was a member of what was called the Conseil du Sage, or the Council of the Wise, whatever the hell that was. It was made up by the U.S. They they said, hey, you know, um, we forced the president out. I I know we're going to appoint three people who are going to appoint seven other people who are going to choose a new prime minister. Yay! Democracy in action, and we're gonna we're gonna rebuild the judge. You know, we're gonna take corruption out of the the judiciary. We're gonna reform the prisons. By the way, do you know that more than eighty percent? First of all, the, the prisons are horribly crowded right now. I mean, they're 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 inhuman, they're human rights violations. Haiti's prisons right now. More than eighty percent of the prisoners behind bars have never seen a judge or been officially accused of a crime. Did you know that? that's Now, what would you do if you lived in a country like that? And then in your capital in front of the palace, there's no sewage system and it's spewing raw garbage into the streets and you've got children and you got to go shopping every day. And then you've got gangs taking over your neighborhood that are in, you know, working in tandem with the police. You've got police who God knows what the heck they're, you know, the Haitian police is another product creature. Of U.S. foreign policy. Go to the U.S. Embassy's website and, and just do a search at, at U.S. Embassy Haiti comma police and take a look at them bragging. You know, they brought in New York's finest to train them. You remember when there was a scandal that the CIA had infiltrated New York's police department? Do you remember that? Look that up. At the same time, NYPD was training the Haitian police. <laughs> yeah. So Oh, I there's just just so many little pieces like that that people just you know the the news doesn't report it well, for good reason, you know you know Jack Jackie Charles isn't going to tell you, I shouldn't pick on Jackie over at the Miami Herald. She's not going to talk about the CIA infiltrating the Asian police. you know, she's not you know, but the point is, imagine living under those conditions after what? seven billion dollars in earthquake release really dis- ostensibly raised to build Haiti back better another five build billion back. dollars lost to the petro Carib scandal the money that Venezuela uh, you know they, there was a it was a, a oil sent at reduced prices at low interest and then they were to take the balance when they sold it at the proper market rate take the balance and pay a low percentage interest if they invested it in infrastructure right? No hospitals, no roads, no sewer systems, freeways that they started in order to uh, get the get the budget approved by Haiti's parliament and put money in their pocket. freeway ramps that were built that go nowhere, literally, you know, build unfinished buildings. Sc- the schools are dilapidated, they're falling apart. Haiti's educational system barely operates. The economy is a shambles. No infrastructure, yet there are fabulously wealthy. Individuals, including politicians who eat at the trough, right, of the ruling party, the PHTK party. And there are American business partners who also pull a lot of money out of that country. That is not a poor country. They like to make you believe that Haiti is a poor country. It's actually very resource rich. I was telling Sam, I was there, uh, I think it was 1999 when I had first moved there. U.S. Marines came in. Surrounded a mountain in northern Haiti near Cap Aixien, brought in huge helicopters, dropped earth movers, leveled an entire mountain, took the entire top off the damn thing, you know, just literally took it and took out tons of iridium. Haiti has money. Haiti has riches and resources. They just never go to the people. Yep. Right? Marta Lee, when he was in office president, the founder of the PHDK party, you know how Marta Lee got elected, right? Direct intervention by then-Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton. Changed the way in which the ballots were counted that allowed him to go into the second round. Who did he hire? He, he hired Antonio Solas, Sola, right? He hired uh, Damien Merlot. Hired these high-powered foreigners who... Have a reputation for getting elected individuals in Latin America and the Caribbean that are okay with US foreign policy, that are good for their business partners, US business partners, but terrible for the people who live there. And that is the same for Haiti. So Haiti's not a poor country.
1: Can you talk specifically? Hillary
2: Clinton's brother. Oh, uh, Tony, Tony Rodham. Uh, I, I guess he's gone now no longer with no. us, right? Uh, oh,
1: we can't speak ill of the dead, so uh, we'll, we'll we just can't, move yeah, on. We can't that. Speak, can say Frank, more. Frank, ahead, Frank speak honestly of the he's dead. He's not yeah. around to
2: complain. Let's, let's just, true, you know. <laughs> yeah, he was put on the board of VCS Mining uh, along with a, a former, I'm trying to remember her name, but I, I can dig it up somewhere in my files. If you look it up, you look up VCS Mining, you look up Haiti Info Project on Twitter, you'll find it. Um uh, it uh, was a high. Um, somebody who was high up in the Obama administration was also on that board, and there was a sweetheart deal with the Marti administration. Pennies on the dollar, gold mining, you know, mineral mineral rights sold. Pennies on the dollar. It was part of the sweetening of the deal. She did him a favor. He paid it back. Her brother was on that board. Plus, a couple of Obama administration officials were on that board. Former, you know, um, and they they did well. They did very, very well.
1: And then the, the other stuff, I mean, one of the things you always think about is the uh, – uh, there's the sweatshop manufacturing, the, the areas off of the, the – uh, in the docks where they're, they're just using uh, Haitian labor. What are the conditions like in those factories?
2: Well, first you've got to kind of understand that that's one of the uses of Haiti by um, apparel manufacturers in the region. There was a time when most of their factories were in Honduras. Honduras also has a very cheap labor force because it's also very, you know, it's, it's people are also purposefully kept impoverished. That's the term I want to repeat over and over, you know, <laughs> and they are purposefully kept impoverished in order to engorge, enrich a minority. Right? What's that? What's that old Marxist term? Comprador? The old comprador bourgeoisie, you know, the, the, the guys who represent the foreign interests, right? Um, well, these guys are oligarchs. They're not free market capitalists. But anyway, um, you know, they'll kill you before they'll let you compete with them. But they do run these sweatshops as well. And so, you know, basic economic theory, right? If the bottom of wages rises, the whole thing goes up, Right. So Hades, you know, they're kept at dollars a day, basically, uh, because other labor forces will have to go lower in the region to compete, keeping the price at sweatshop labor values, of course, realizing tens of millions, a lot, uh, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars, if you put the whole region together. Um, a profit for, you know, companies like Gildan Activewear, a Canadian company, largest apparel manufacturer in the world, Fruit of the Loom here in the States. Um, you know, they're all there and they take advantage of, of, of that cheap labor and they have a vested interest in keeping it cheap labor. And so that might also, you know, help us to understand their um, interests in, 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 in keeping, Politics as usual in that country. Imagine if there was no lobby on K Street, there was no Antonio Sola or Damien Merlot, none of these foreign uh, political expert, you know, election specialists coming into the country, coming in to change and alter the landscape, the political terrain, Haiti might have a chance to change. But it's, so you know. Who, and mm-hmm. so, who do we
0: think actually did this and what are their motives?
2: You're talking about the, the assassin. Yeah, the assassin. Jovenel Moise, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to speculate, but I will say that his death conveniently, you know, like when you're playing chess and you're losing, you know, you throw the board up and, and, and the game, you know, that game is gone. That was the the impact of this, right? Jovenel Moise could not lead the country to credible elections, and that was a problem for a lot of people, including the United States government, because his government had no credibility to run those next elections. Handpicked Conseil Electoral Provisoire, Provisional Election Council, right? Uh, And by the way, Ariel Henry's government is universally rejected by the current opposition. This government's going nowhere either, but the United States likes to pretend. It does a great job in Haiti of pretending Uh, That things are normal when in fact it's just one more moment or beat away from erupting again. And we're we're there again. It's ridiculous for them to anoint Ariel Henry, despite the fact that he was Jovenel Moise's choice before the assassination. But he's universally reviled and rejected. Uh, What good is that going to do? There's no, this is not a government of national consensus. It is a government put in and imposed by our government. It does not represent, it has no legs in the population, it has no support on the ground. It is largely, again, a U.S. creature, and so it's not a question of if. And I say, you know, over the years, I've said this so many times, and I've been right because I guess it's easy with Haiti. If it's not a question of if; it's when. You know, it's 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 going to blow up again, and and I, I think it's going to be relatively soon. I don't. I think this. I, I give this government of Arle Henri about six months at the most. Uh, others uh, Haitians, a lot of my friends uh, in Haiti are giving a lot less, but I I I, I, I say. You know, six months till the U.S. embassy has to change its shirt again.
1: So you have this kind of a uh, murky relationship between the gangs, the G9, the paramilitaries. And uh, before Moish was killed, you had the rise up of uh, barbecue. And could you talk a little bit about who barbecue is, where he comes from? I'm just going to
2: say this. Jimmy Sherry's there, a.k.a. Barbecue, former policeman, campaign for Michelle Martelly still maintains ties with Martelly, is seen, yeah, you know, when you're old enough, you got friends everywhere. I got a friend in U.S. intelligence, too, who tells me that very close, very close to Martelly and financed. Uh, certainly played ball with Jovenel Moise. It was under uh, 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 Juth, uh, former prime minister Juth, under Jovenel Moise's regime that the G9 was formed, right? It's a confederation of gangs. Uh, We have seen those gangs work closely with the police against protesters uh, to shoot at crowds, uh, help police to arrest and detain people. And, you know, when you're, you know, when you're arrested by a gang, I mean you know, for, for protesting, uh, it kind of says a little bit of something about that relationship in your government, right? Uh, so, so those are common facts, and it can go through our timeline. At Haiti Info Proj, use the right search terms. You can find anything, right? Uh, it's all about the terms. You know, put in at Haiti Info Proj, put in gangs, put in comma arrest. You'll probably come up with some of that footage that I have shot by some of our citizen journalists. You know, surreptitiously through their windows uh, of gangs operating closely, Uh, those gangs who who are who are part of Sherry's Aires gang. Listen, I remember when the guy was posing with guns. The guy likes to pose in front of his car with guns, right? Uh, You know what kind of folks those are. What you know, a lot of compensation and stuff going on there. Not not terribly, not terribly bright in my book. And now, of course, you know, one week he's. Talking revolution, revolution, and yeah. then now yeah. last week he held a protest. And he was, cr- you know, he condemning Jovenel Moise as a criminal and a dictator, and then last week he's holding a eulogy for the guy and crying on camera. He's very so,
0: open-minded,
2: very, uh, you know. So, but you got to look at what his role's been. I don't see. I don't. I don't. I don't listen to the narratives. I look at what what people's trajectories are, and what the outcome is, and what the outcome is, is it has cleared entire swaths of population out of poor neighborhoods that supported the opposition, who've been driven into the countryside. you cannot hold an opposition protest in Haiti today because of the role of Jimmy Sherrysza and the G9. and that should speak more loudly than any other, you know, speculation about who this guy really is. Look at the outcome. Look at what it has done on the ground. It has terrorized the population. It has terrorized those neighborhoods. It has displaced populations in areas that are known to support lava Loss, that are known to support the more conservative opposition, elements, but primarily Lavalos. So, you know, when Jimmy Sherry's there says his affinity is closer to Aristide and Lavalos, I got to laugh. It's like, Oh, okay. All right. And it seems like, uh, he, he has no dearth of people willing to do PR for him. Um, but again, look at the role and uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that, uh, Las Vegas, uh, bookmakers would do well to, uh, to start taking bets on how long he's going to hang out and how long, you know, before, before that, Gets taken care of in a mysterious way as things often do in Haiti.
1: So I want to get to Lavalos in a second, but uh, before we do, the amount of wealth in Haiti cannot be overstated because in the corporate press, it's really presented as both there's a gravy train and destitute poverty everywhere. And it, it sort of doesn't make sense. And you were talking about the money in remittances and I think for... for Extraordinary,
2: uh, extraordinary Haiti's remittances during the pandemic even. Remember, people were laid off work in the United States and Canada and the economy was shutting down. And still, Haitians, family, and friends sent... I think it's going to top $5 billion in 2020. It's going to be almost 50% of the GDP of that country. And now here's the here's the tragedy of it. While we're sending money to keep the people we love alive... Right, families alive and viable. They have to buy staples: rice, beans, cooking oil, right, uh, 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 tomato paste, all that stuff. You know, the stuff that we might take for granted. Well, everybody buys those in Haiti, and you can only get them from one or two families who control, have a monopoly on the importation of those, of those, of those staples and so they that's why you have fabulous billionaires right fabulously wealthy individuals who fly to miami on the weekends in their private jets to shop in a sea of poverty of purposefully impoverished people and what keeps that system going see these guys they're not free market capitalists but they pay k street firms to cast them as the what the private sector they call them well And and they're they're adoringly called the private sector, right? Almost with adoration. And they're called the the motor of economic development. Well, nonsense. These guys are monopolists. They are not, you know, there's no middle class because of these guys. There's no competition because of these guys. They are basically overseeing a prison where people can only buy what they need to survive from them. And K Street keeps it going. Congress keeps it going and they pretend, like I said, U.S. policy does a great job of pretending that these things are normal. And for me, it's as much a story about the corruption of Washington and influence peddling in Washington as it is about the corruption in Haiti. They very much go hand in hand and I think we're inseparable. And as long as that happens, there will be no real change. As long as you don't address the stranglehold the few family has on the economy. You will never change anything substantively in that country. But every policy of the United States government has always been to treat them like credible business partners, right? U.S. business is in bed with them. That rice is coming from Montana. It's coming from Idaho. It's coming from California. Beans are coming from U.S. companies here imported into Haiti by these few families. And you don't think that lobbying helps to grease those wheels?
0: I just wanted to show something that you guys had tweeted over at Haiti info project, since we're talking about poverty and how it's actually impoverishment more than poverty. Um, but here you guys posted this.
2: There it um, is. That's raw sewage being forced out into the streets by the pressure of flooding. There's flooding because there's no proper sewage system in the capital of Port-au-Prince, despite all of that money. And you know, and now, now Dermia Merlot, Damien Merlot, who who and, and 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 Antonio Sola are going to get and lament their great friend Jovenel Moise, who they say was building Haiti and was 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 doing wonderful things there. Well, that's the legacy of the 2004 coup. That's the legacy of U.S. foreign policy. That's the legacy of 10 years of tolerated, enabled, and maintained political corruption that is intricately intertwined with corruption in Washington. In my in my in my humble opinion.
0: And for people who don't know about the history of the coup, um, what were the motives there and what were the um, results of it? And how is that legacy present today?
2: Well, that's how the PHTK came to power. You know, I mean, that that coup destroyed institutions in Haiti. And that's why the United States, France and Canada promised they had to rebuild them. Because, like I said, more than 7,500 elected officials throughout the country. Everything from mayors, you know, to senators, to governors, were were hunted down, forced out of the country, you know, driven out of office violently in most cases. Uh, And they tried to pretend, again, U.S. foreign policy is really good at pretending that it was a popular movement. It was ousting Aristide nonsense. There were a few, I mean, it, it represented less than 15% of the population. Though the, the, you know, if, if you saw who was in the streets, uh, and clearly there was a lot of money being spread. You know, there, there there's an intricate history. I could get into the GNB, the Grinambunda, which was who Claude Joseph, remember Claude Joseph, the guy who, who was going to be the interim president and lead to the next elections. And then Ariel Henry in the last musical chairs when the music stopped. Claude Joseph was out. Music stopped at the U.S. Embassy. Claude Joseph was out, and Earl Henry was back in, right? Well, Claude Joseph was part of that movement. These guys, again, are all part of that coup. Can Can we talk for a second? Claude Joseph was the leader of the Brown Shirts. We called them the Brown Shirts. They were the most violent elements. Who were their Their whole MO was just to create violent incidents with the police in front of the press, in order to give the illusion that Aristide was a dictator who had fallen on his own sword. And it was, by the way, does anybody know of any history of any dictators who they claimed to being an assassin and a killer like Aristide, who then went back and dedicated himself to building a university that's educated, you know, what, almost over a thousand uh, doctors and nurses and lawyers. And now they have an engineering department. You know, he promised he's going to see out of politics he has, but family of is still wildly popular. In that country. And so back to this thing about the motive of the killing of Jovenel Moise, he couldn't bring credible elections. He had to go one way or another, because the opposition was not going to let it happen. It was very convenient that he was killed when he was killed because it upset the game. And now they have new players. They can pretend that they're new, even though they're not. Those of us who know 80, they know their history. Uh, But they can now pretend that they're going to go forward with these elections. And it's ridiculous. It's it's just absurd.
1: Speaking of assassins and killers who moved on to universities, I believe Condoleezza Rice returned to Stanford. But uh, can we, um, uh, before we go, um, for... Especially for an American audience that is not as familiar with Haitian history, mm. can you talk a little bit about Lavalas and Aristide's return, and where you see uh, the future of what's happening in Haiti coming from the opposition?
2: Well, I think that that, that a lot of what happens on the ground is about keeping Lavalas out of power again. Uh, that was certainly what the purpose of the coup was: was to remove them from power, and everything that has happened in U.S. foreign policy, including bringing in the current PHTK. Um, all of them, again, made up of coup plotters and part of the coup in one way or another, including working with U.S. intelligence agencies, uh, you know, uh, on, on the ground in Haiti. There's a lot of you guys have to give me some more time sometime and I'm going to give you a brief uh, a history of the CIA in Haiti and in its internal political affairs over the last three decades. Uh, something that I've I've done a lot of intimate study uh, of and documentation of. But I digress. Um, Lava loss is still very viable. It's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it, but they have a very different view of what should happen. They don't want a president. They don't want elections. They want a government of national reconciliation. where The major political parties and institutions in the country are at the table. Then we'll focus on rebuilding Haiti's institutions, right? just stopping it, getting in there, intervening. the US wants to get made? Get made to really make some change. Not to keep this nonsense that's been going on going, but to really make some change. Take two, three years is what they're talking about. Rebuild Haiti's institutions, a new election council, and then and only then can you possibly have free and fair elections, elections free of foreign interference. Again, K Street, Sola, Merlot, and innumerable other political operatives, foreign political operatives who intervene in Haiti's political landscape on a regular basis. They gotta go. They gotta go.
0: And what, so what can American citizens, you know, progressive, leftists, what can we do? Well, uh, since it's not like texting, you know, we, uh, yeah, uh, there's a
2: great organization called the Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. Uh, it's one of the few organizations that I will actually work with because they actually let Haiti set the priorities in their neighborhoods of how they're gonna uh, how they're gonna be helped and what that help is gonna do. Um, I give to them regularly. Uh, Danny Glover is associated with that; uh, he's on the board. Uh, my good friend, civil rights attorney Walter Riley, uh, is the um, uh, head of that organization. Uh, our organization we deal with citizen journalists. Right, I've got a network of people all over the country with cameras. I send phone cameras. I buy people. You know. Phone cards and keep them charged. And when I can, you know, I try to also keep people sustained. You know, it's not easy. Uh, So, if you want to support information, you can help us to continue to get the word out, uh, enabling Haitians to tell their own story with their own cameras and their own voices. Um, Certainly, Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. Uh, You can go to HaitiSolidarity.org. That's another good organization here in the Bay Area. Uh, They just did a banner drop Um, yesterday. Was the what 106th anniversary of the U.S. occupation? Nineteen fifteen is that right? You have to help me with the math. <laughs> Something like that. Um, anyway, so so there's there there are lots of organizations who are engaged in Haiti who are doing great work, and uh, you know that's the, those those are on the top of my list.
0: Okay, great, and we'll put those in the description.
2: Thank you. So I, uh, I and stay stay informed. You know, uh, it may not seem like. Uh, our problem, right? But the truth is, I hope that I've made a strong case to say that Washington has a tremendous influence, an outsized influence, should not have the influence it has in the political future of Haiti. It has played its game. The 2004 coup, the US sponsored that coup. The rebuilding they said they were going to do, you know, the fundraising after the earthquake. The Clinton Foundation, enough help already. Stay the hell away. If Haiti's got to work it out, let them work it out. You've had your shot, right? U.S. foreign policy has really taken its best shot. And it, it, it's got to change. We've got to get the hell out of there. We're not helping a thing. We've got to empower Haitians, support Haitians to lead their own future, determine their own future, their own government. Free of foreign influence, free of K Street influence peddling, free of Washington's edicts. That's old school. Time to move on. Time to change, change it. So supporting that basic premise, I think, goes a long way in terms of helping Haiti. Right. And and you can watch. You can see. You know, it's funny. uh, I'll just leave you with this story. Um, I was watching a soccer game you know poor kids in the streets of Haiti and you know they don't have uniforms they don't even mark themselves I'm like how can you tell who's on whose team and uh, my buddy turned to me and said you know Kevin uh, it's not unlike Haitian politics or politics anywhere you only know who's on your team by which direction they're kicking the ball so let's keep our eyes on the ball
0: great well thank you so much and come back on
2: Thank you so much. Yes. My honor. Thank you. Thank, thank, you, so you, much, thank you
0: so much, Kevin. So much, Bye. That was great. That was totally learned excellent. A lot learned a lot. uh yeah.
1: A Haiti's so complicated. I always feel like I'm going into like a Ferrari dealership, being like, "How cargo And the mechanic's like, "Dude, it's it's gonna be complicated. to Explain this to you."
0: I mean, I don't even know how to drive, so you can imagine how much worse equipped I feel. Thanks for listening to the Katie Helper Show. Don't forget to become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show to hear our exclusive interview with Brianna Joy Gray.